Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the United States and around the world. It's so exciting to have you with us today. A special shout out to Yoshiko Dart. Hello, Yoshiko. Hope you're having a great day. And to our listeners around the world, as usual, Ireland, you have an incredible listening base. Thank you so much. And to our lead sponsor, Highmark, has been our sponsor, lead sponsor for the past three years. In addition, AudioEye has been a supporter of the show. I thank you both very much, and I am excited today. I'm excited because this is a topic I am very, very interested in, and our guests today are Dr. Christopher Lee, who is the Managing Director and Chief Learning Officer, and Samantha Evans, who's the Certificate Manager at the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, known by many of you as IAAP. Chris and Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. We're glad to be here. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. How did, how did okay. you first become involved in the disability community? Okay, Joyce, this is only an hour show, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, one, <laughs> I'm one of these folks that have, have a long history, but I'll, I'll give you a snapshot. Um, you know, it's, I have a, both sides. I have a professional side and a personal side, um, like most out there you know, who are in this field. My, my personal side is I was diagnosed with dyslexia or back then. They called it minimal brain damage, actually, back in the 70s with um, a learning disability. Um, and that carried me all the way through my academic career, and I got passionate as I got into college and started speaking at the University of Georgia, where we had an excellent student panel that went around to high schools and spoke, and spoke to kids with disabilities. And professionally, it, I just moved right into it. I, I wrote a book um, in when I was 23 years old with my tutor um, at the University of Georgia, and um, it was one of the first books out there called Faking It that actually um, went inside the mind of a creative learner, is what I called it, and that promoted me kind of into different jobs. So that's how I got into it, how I'm still here. (laughs) You know what, Chris? We have to have a show maybe at the beginning of next year and have you back to talk about learning disabilities, and I did see that that's a personal interest of yours. I just want to bring that up because, you know, I have a new not-for-profit. It's called the Bender Leadership Academy, where I'm training high school students with disabilities about the world of work. And actually, it goes back 20 years ago where I've been doing this on a volunteer basis. Now, I bring that up Because so many of these high school students fall through the cracks and so many of them have a learning disability. And people do not understand not only how people are discriminated against or the stigma involved or the lack of understanding involved, but what can happen to a person with a learning disability where it is not dealt with 
in their life, you know, what can happen to them. So I really admire you for doing that. And I will make a point of having you back on the show just to talk about that. And then, as you said, wow, I read your background. You're like so involved in so many things. Uh, It's very impressive. Sam, what about you? How did you become involved? Well, I, uh, had a friend who was losing her vision and uh, needed somebody to be a sighted assistant. And so we were roommates for 20 years until her children were old enough to uh, come back and, and help mother out. Um, so I, the pre-internet, it was difficult to be able to find resources and help somebody whose vision was, was, was failing them um, and eventually to lose almost all of her vision. Um, so that was my personal engagement. And as a professional in the association management world, my meeting planning uh, mentor um, used a, a wheelchair. And so whenever we would go to events and plan for programs and activities, she helped me incorporate a, a perspective about the built environment and physical access. Um, so that came long before I, I came to join a, a service organization that Dr. Lee founded, and he and I worked together for several years um, in uh, disability services for alternative media production and delivery, and uh, that also led to my work with IAAP in managing the certification programs. Wow. Isn't it something, though, how there's always some way or another a personal connection that motivates so many Mm -hmm. people, such as me, you know, I'm living with epilepsy and I'm hard Mm -hmm. of hearing, and Bender Consulting Services, which is a for-profit company, focuses on the employment of people with disabilities. We have this great software product, iDisability, that is a training product uh, that goes on the LMS system. And guess what else? High test. And guess what we do? Assistive technology. That's why I'm saying I could really relate uh, to so much of, you know, everything about IAAP. Uh, But, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that do not know about the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. And you, Chris, are the managing director how large is the organization, and what is the mission? Well, you know, um, it's interesting that we, we're relatively new, um, five years. We just hit our fifth-year anniversary um, in July. We had a celebration at the M Enabling Summit, um, and we had lots of folks there that were the founders. And it's an interesting story um, that we have the private sector. We had grassroots um, agencies. Um, individuals with disabilities that came together saying that we really need to focus on the accessibility profession. Um, and so a lot of work groups were put together and um, what came out of it, obviously the core of it was a certification um, program, which Sam oversees. Um, but the, the whole mission around IWP is, is really to help define accessibility, promote and improve the accessibility profession. And we do this, as I mentioned, through certification, we do it through networking with subject matter experts through an online platform that allows individuals to ask questions um, and get um, responses back from subject matter experts. And we do it through professional education, um, through webinars and other events that we do. So that's kind of our, our mission. Um, and I've been on five years, as I mentioned, we're, we're part of a larger organization called G3ICT, which is the Global um, Initiative for Inclusive ICT, which really started in 2006, 
um, tied to the United Nations, promoting the Conventions on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and um, that is our, our mother organization in a sense. Um, we're in 43 countries, Joyce, um, 43 countries in five years. Um, we're pretty psyched about that. We have 136 organizations tied to us with over 2,500 seats, meaning employees that sit underneath those organizations. Um, we are um, growing very quickly with um, about 2,000 members in general. Um, we're our top sectors. Um, we're pretty much heavy on the ITAT, which is an area that you, you, you really specify and love, um, about 30% of, of our members in the education, specifically on higher education, around 17%, and financial and insurance is 10%, and consulting is 9%, and the others round out in different areas. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's an exciting place to be right now because the accessibility profession is really taking off, and there's a synergy out there. You've got all these folks working in all these different disciplines that are coming together underneath the umbrella of IWAP and looking at certification, professional, you know, educational development, and it's 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 a great time to be part of the organization. Um, you mentioned that you work around the world globally. How how did that happen? Is that because of uh, the Global Initiative for Inclusive Information? And com- communication technologies, no wonder it goes by G3ICT. Then you don't have to say that long group of words. But um, is that is that how and why you started to work globally? You know, it's a nice fit, isn't it? And, and it would be easy to say yes, but that's not actually the case. Um, as I mentioned, these, these the private industry, the larger corporations that really were coming um, around the table saying, hey, we need to find people that, that are certified or have experience and knowledge around ICT accessibility, and we can't find them. We can't hire these folks. And these large corporations, many of them are global. So the global aspect of the International Association of Accessibility Professionals really started there. Um, and it wasn't until 2016, actually, that um, the organization, which is a nonprofit organization, shifted underneath G3ICT. You know, um, this is such an exciting new area. Is your mission, I saw you really work in a lot of areas, but is your mission mainly oriented toward getting professionals in this area or educating professionals in this area? What would you say is your main mission? What is it? Your core well, I mean, I'll say just a couple, yeah, I'll say a couple words, but then I'll turn it over to Sam. But the, the, our core mission is to get everyone educated in accessibility at some level, right? Um, because everyone, disability, as you know, as anybody else, touches everyone's lives eventually, right? Um, and, and, you know, that whether you're an HR professional, whether you're an IT professional, while you're working in the banking profession, it doesn't matter what profession or really what role you're playing. Um, you have internal employees and you have external customers that you have to deal with. And whether they have functional limitations or um, so on, normal disabilities, it's, it's something that everyone touched. So our, our core focus is, is really you know, defining the accessibility profession, promoting it and improving it through the certification program and professional education. Yeah, Sam, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so... 
My, I, I come from a background of associations of professional societies, and what's really interesting and exciting about the accessibility profession is the opportunity we have to actually unite all of these professionals who work in a lot of different industries and a lot of different roles, but they have a core commitment themselves and professionally to accessibility and to incorporate accessibility to ensure we have diversity and inclusion that includes people with disabilities across the board in all business arenas. And so the opportunity IAAP has is to really unite all of those great energies together and help people really have exponential growth in the advancement of accessibility. And so it's really a, it's a, it's a really exciting place to be and a really good mission and purpose to work with. It is exciting. It's very exciting because that's how people gain employment. You know, my friend Eve Hill, who was with the Department of Justice during the Obama administration, said, so all of you companies out there saying you want to employ people, are you accessible? Because guess what? If I can't apply for a job, how are you going to hire me? And how true that is. But right now, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Christopher Lee, the Managing Director and Chief Learning Officer, and Samantha Evans, the Certificates Manager at the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Dr. Christopher Lee, the Managing Director and Chief Learning Officer, and Samantha Evans, the Certification Manager for the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, IAAP. Welcome back. I hope you're enjoying the show and that you tell everyone else about it. Chris, I highlighted earlier learning disabilities, as you talked about dyslexia, but of course there's dysgraphia and many other uh, forms of learning disabilities. My question is many companies don't realize 
that there is assistive technology for people with various disabilities. Like I'll talk to someone and I'll think, oh, yes, for people who are blind or deaf. And I will say, no, no, it's more involved than that. And I wonder if you could talk about that, how someone that gains employment that has a learning disability could use accessibility. Yeah, that's a great choice. It's a great question. And there's many sides to the question. Um, assistive technology, there's an ecosystem out there, right? It's about the software and the hardware. It's about the funding. It's about the training service providers that provide, you know, the information about, um, about assistive technology. Learning disabilities and cognitive disabilities, it's a tough one um, because it's, a, it's, a, it's an area that individuals can hide. And um, so from the front end of it, meaning that the individual with the disability, it's very important that they understand their strengths and weaknesses, that they're able to communicate those strengths and weaknesses, and that they know the assistive technology inside and out. So when they go to an employment situation, whether they disclose they have a learning disability up front or not, that they can actually communicate to their potential employer or to their employer that this is the accommodation that they need. And the communication to piece, piece of that is, is a real challenge. You know, we don't teach our students with learning disabilities in a sense to be able to commute the, communicate the disability, whether it's from a practical standpoint, a medical standpoint, you know, um, or just, you know, you know, dealing with friends, you know, and, and family members, how they communicate it. So that's number one. Um, that's so important. Um, and assistive technology can make such a huge difference. You know, my primary experience starting off with assistive technology was with voice recognition. And I learned about voice recognition through a friend of mine who was a quadriplegic. And, you know, I couldn't spell real well. I wasn't the greatest reader. He could spell. He was a good reader. But he couldn't do certain things in the office. So we worked together as a team, and I learned all about voice recognition from him. And, and I think, you know, it, it's important that, these, these, that we're proactive with, with the individual's with disabilities and, and, and learning disabilities particularly to, to teach them the technology, companies need to engage. And there's, and there's some good work being done out there about the technology that they provide. Um, obviously, you can layer the technology into the organization, but if you're going to do that, it's critical that the training takes place. And that really is up to the individual with the disability to be able to do that and to work closely with the company to do that. So those are kind of my thoughts around it. And as you well know, you know, when uh, Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act was, had the new rules come out and now is actually being enforced by uh, Craig Lean from OFCCP, again, personal reason, he has two children with autism, Um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people, they, you know, they had no idea how people would not disclose. In other words, when this first new rules first came out, many federal contractors said to me, oh, you know what, Um, we're not worried with that 7% aspirational goal because so many of our employees will self-disclose. And I knew right right then, no, they won't. Uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. That's why when I go speak Mm -hmm. at a company, I often say... If they say to me, Joyce, we're so glad to have you here because we want to start employing people with disabilities, and I will say, oh, but you already have. 
They're working here right now. They have a learning disability, depression, bipolar disorder, epilepsy, MS, diabetes. I mean, I could go on and on. It's just they do not want to raise their hand because of fear of being discriminated against. And don't you see that a lot with people with learning disabilities? Oh, I do. It, it's it's unbelievable, and it's and it's all it's all internal. A lot of times, with the person with a disability, I mean, you, you, it's hard to explain what's going on inside your 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 brain. I mean, whether it's auditory or visual processing or how you're communicating, it's not an easy thing to grasp, and people don't believe in it. But I will tell you, though, you know, just real quickly, I, I think in the U.S. we've done a phenomenal job in regards to assistive technology. How it's placed, I'm not sure. I mean, but. Back in the early 90s when we had the Assistive Technology Act, it's still going on, right? And and we have these, they're, they're located in universities and they're located in vocational rehabilitation programs. And they are supposed to be, you know, this, this, this place that people can go and try before they buy the assistive technology. And they integrate into education. Do they integrate into, you know, private industry? Maybe, maybe not, depending on the state that you're in. But we've, we've put some money behind it. It's not enough, <laughs> um, but it is, there is some, some good work that's been done in this area. Well, let's just hope that that continues because there yeah. are so many successful people with a learning disability. Um, and, and again, you know, I'll have students, for example, uh, in high school, they have to leave the class for a special tutoring session they don't want to leave because they know people are going to bully them so the worst thing that can happen is that people do not disclose and then they have a performance problem or an academic problem so you know I say every time you may be living with a disability but don't be ashamed it's just part of who you are and that's why I'm all about Disability pride. So, um, I wanted to talk about G3ICT because, as you mentioned earlier, you are a division of that, the Global Initiative for Inclusive Information and Communication Technologies. Can you tell us a little more, uh, Chris, about G3ICT? Yeah, the GPICT, um, as I mentioned, they've been around since 2006, and it's a, a very impressive nonprofit organization. It's, it's, it's run tight with a small staff, and the outreach has been huge. Um, the areas that, that really they focus on throughout the years, advocacy, um, is one big piece of that. So that it's working with not only the U.S., but other countries around showing that um, that ICT is incorporated into these countries. It could be um, around you know, kiosks or websites or digital content, you know, whatever it may be. And one of the most interesting projects they have is something called the Dale Index. And we can post this resource, but it's an index that um, is filled out by advocacy groups um, and organizations throughout um, the globe about how the country is doing around accessibility. And it rates the country, in a sense, from their perspective, the advocacy standpoint, which I think is very powerful, um, from where the country kind of ranks on specific issues or targets. It could be procuring accessible ICT. It could be digital content markets. It could be websites. 
And then there's a ranking that we do at G3ICT that, that really lays out how the country um, actually places and how policies and procedures are dealing with, being dealt with within that country. The other area that they focus on is they bring um, folks together in an annual conference or summit in D.C. in June. We just had it, and it's a really incredible conference that pulls in um, all people from around the world around ICT accessibility as well as other issues, and lots of topics are brought into. We bring in a lot of the private sector into the, the summit. We also um, focuses on smart city. We have a division just really focused on, on smart cities, and that has been something that is really catching some exciting um, trends uh, around different different countries. So there's a lot that G3SE does, but the whole, whole focus of it is to promote the Convention on the Rights with Persons with Disabilities. That's the core. And is that a result of CRPD? Yes. It all folded out of that. Yeah, too bad we... We aren't moving forward with the United yeah. States. From the state standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, that's so terrible. Hopefully, that is so hopefully terrible. Hopefully the show is helping that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I it's know. rough. It is rough. <laughs> what, do you, what do you that's think? That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, uh, Sam, about across the world? How are we moving forward with accessibility? Well, I'm. I've been really. Um, I've been really excited to see the progress that our colleagues in other parts of the world are making, alongside with the education that's happening in the United States. But I think that our our friends in Europe, with the European mandates, are really building in accessibility and inclusion as a standard for everyone, not as an option. And we see those adoptions for the European mandates happening in Australia and Australasia um, and in Canada and Japan also has, has a really strong program of integrating accessibility into society norms. So I, I'm seeing some really great social decisions about accessibility and inclusion that's actually inclusive and it's really promising. And I think a lot of work with uh, many of the UN uh, initiatives and programs and the nonprofits that work there are doing a great deal in, in many of the emerging economies around the world as well to try to bring some baseline uh, content, knowledge, and education as well. So uh, having looked at this not on the professional side for, for decades, but having insight from my colleagues that I work with every day, I see us making just huge leaps and strides every day, every week, and annually, the, the progress that's made is tremendous. And the acceptance as people begin to recognize my friend, my family, my loved one, I myself have a disability, and they're, they're coming out from behind the, the veil of fear to disclose is probably going to be our, our biggest help so that everyone re- recognizes we know, love, and work with someone with a disability, and we want to ensure that we aren't imposing barriers on them to be able to live work and play in their community of choice. So um, I think we're making great strides. We have a lot of work to do, and we're going to have a lot of work to do for for many years, and that's fine. But I think we're all working towards putting ourselves out of a job in the accessibility world. Um, Hopefully, um, we'll make enough progress where that might be possible. But it's, it's our endeavor, and I think most everyone who works with accessibility is passionate for all the right reasons. And that, that really helps people drive 
of how they work and, and how, how much they work as an evangelist and advocate in personal and professional worlds. I, I hope you're right. We have quite a ways to go yet. But I hope that you're right. You know, I hoped we would be, when I started this company in 1995, I must tell you, I would never have believed that here we would be today with 70% of Americans with disabilities not counted in the workforce. So I hope that you are right. But right now we're going to get ready to go to break. And when we come back, we'll have our news break on the half hour with Perry Jude Radisick. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Chris and Sam. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Dr. Christopher Lee, Managing Director and Chief Learning Officer, and Samantha Evans, Certification Manager for the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. But right now, on the half hour, it's time for our news break with Advocacy Matters with Perry Jude Radisick. Perry, welcome. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Uh, Glad to be here. Well, we have some exciting news in Pennsylvania. On August 14th, uh, just mid-August, Pennsylvania's Governor Tom Wolf and the Secretary of the Department of Human Services, Teresa Miller, announced the closure of Polk and Whitehaven State Centers. These are state centers or institutions for persons with developmental disabilities. The closure of Polk and Whitehaven State Centers continues our national and state trend toward the community inclusion of people with disabilities. And Joyce, we know that over the last 50 to 100 years, services for individuals with developmental disabilities 
were often provided solely through state-operated institutions. Now, institutionalization is the exception rather than the rule. So in Pennsylvania, more people with disabilities receive services and supports in the community rather than in state-operated <clears throat> institutions. And we have many reasons for the shift to community services and supports. Certainly, the federal government under Medicaid allowed states like Pennsylvania to create waivers instead of institutional care. So families and individuals with disabilities pushed hard to open up Medicaid going all the way back to 1981 so that funding was just not for institutional living but for community living as well. So now more families and individuals select community living. And in fact, Joyce, people even wait on a waiting list to get community living under our waiver system instead of choosing institutional care. So in addition, the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 also found that historically society has tended to isolate and segregate people with disabilities and found that to be discriminatory. And so then the courts also found, and the case was Olmstead versus LC, that was from 1999, ruled that unnecessary institutionalization of people with disabilities constitutes discrimination under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So advocacy matters. So over the years, closure has moved forward, and it's critical that even at Disability Rights Pennsylvania, we make sure that the residents of Polk and Whitehaven design and receive the supports and services nearest to their families based on their individual needs, that they have transition and service planning, and that it be person-centered, that we make sure that there is monitoring and oversight for quality management, and that we make sure there are safeguards against abuse and neglect. We also want to make sure provider rates are adequate and are set to ensure that there's quality community medical and behavioral health services and that they're available, especially for people who might have complex needs. So advocacy matters. We thank everybody who has pushed Medicaid and made available community services, and we wanted to make sure that everybody, all of your listeners knew that two more institutions uh, have closed here in Pennsylvania, and it'll take about three years to really make sure everybody transitions safely into the community. All right, and that is wonderful. But I do have, and I'm sure you hear this question all the time. What do you say to families that have, we'll say, someone with an significant intellectual disability uh, that possibly, if not restrained of some way, hurt themselves and say, okay, what's going to happen? What's your answer? Yes. Well, first, we completely understand why a family might have made that decision many, many years ago, and we understand how their loved one uh, it, it has the absolute reliance on the staff that they have. We don't think, it's the, the, we don't think the four walls matter. 
where, where they live now. It's the relationship with their staff and the support that they have received with that <clears throat> staff member that that resident likes and, and needs and that that family has relied upon for all these years. So we think what matters, really matters, is that the, this person-centered planning happened and that we hope that the staff can follow them into the community and that they move closer to the family. And that's what we hope happens. Yeah, this reminds me of 14C and the tremendous pushback by families, and I'm sure the same thing is happening with this. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely, Joyce. There is pushback both by the families and the workers. And, and, the, and we, we have to recognize that the people who work at these state centers really care about the people that they uh, support. Uh, and we understand that. And again, uh, you know, we, we do hope that the, that the state allows the workers to follow them into the community and make sure that there is a good transition for the people that they have loved and supported for all of these years. Right. And I say there can be more issues in the institution for people that are housed there. And to me, it's just a scary thing. It's an old thing. So I am so happy to hear this, uh, Perry Jude. And I hope everyone listening to the show is behind this 100%. I want to commend you, Perry, uh, CEO of the Disability uh, Pennsylvania Rights Network, for what you have done uh, supporting this. So thank you, so much. And if we go to your website, can we read more about this? Yes, absolutely. And, and soon, uh, I would say in a couple weeks, we'll have a, a webpage just dedicated to closure so that people can read much, much more information about closure. Okay. And tell us the website again. Yes, it's disabilityrightspa.org. DisabilityRightsPA.org. One other thing, I'm very honored to serve on this board, and any donation you can make is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Perry, for keeping us up to date. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Have a good week. You know, Chris and Sam, I made a decision over a year ago. You know, so many people don't know what's people with disabilities don't know what's going on in this country, and That is why I started this news break, so that everyone would be kept up to date. It's it's really something I'm very proud of, and uh, as you can see, there is always something going on. And that brings me to you, Chris. How many accessibility professionals are there in the United States? And I'm going to tell you why I asked that. When I have talked to different corporations... They'll tell me, well, someone steals someone from Microsoft, and then they go to Google, and then they go to another company. It's like a revolving door. So what's the status there? Where are we on this? Oh, wow. It's a tough question, as you know. Um, And I wish I had a a number right in front of me, but I don't. (laughs) It's something that... um, 
it is a revolving door. That's a good analogy, actually. Um, you know, we do see um, individuals that, that go into the profession, stay in the profession, and there's a dedication and a desire to stay, and they usually stay in the area that they they find interesting. Um, what we are, what we're looking at right now, which is really interesting, is is we've been asked by a few companies, large companies, to explore um, doing a certification around um, leadership, maybe a chief accessibility officer, uh, for lack of a better way of saying that, that there's, there needs to be um, training and education for individuals that are being put into these very uh, powerful um, positions that impact divisions or whole company as a whole. And so we are taking that very seriously at IAAP um, and G3ICT. We're, we're, we're pulling together a task force that starts in, in October where we're looking at what are the roles of the chief accessibility officer, um, what, what are the job duties, what qualifications do you need. Um, and so that, that task force is going, to, is going to be going from October through, through January where we're going to explore possibly doing some sort of leadership certification and we're going to wrap it around a community practice um, because we think this is so needed um, because I don't think the stats and the numbers are there. I mean, I, we just don't know. I mean, we've got, we know more in the service industry. We know more about K-12. We know more about higher education, disability service offices. We know about independent living centers and vocational rehabilitation services, but we don't know really what's going on fully um, from the private industry. Um, we all see a big movement and a shift in synergy um, within these organizations, large organizations particularly, and medium-sized organizations that are making um, accessibility a, a priority and wrapping it into their policies and procedures. The interesting thing about it is that when you look at these corporations, as well as the state government, the federal government, when you talk about diversity, in many cases, disability isn't even wrapped within that, that the, the division or department. So there's a lot of work to be done to collect that type of information. Well, I mean, I do. I think it's such a great profession. But as I said, I hear people talk about this frequently, how they cannot find this expertise. And that's why I wish this would become like something at colleges and universities that people would understand there is such a need for. And it's such an exciting, wonderful field, you know, to go into. Um, And I'm not kidding you. I hear about this all the time, that people cannot find this skill. So, hey, if you're listening to the show, this is a great area to go into. Um, yep. Now, I, Joyce, I can offer a little bit of insight. I track um, our, our two certifications that we have currently um, on several job boards that are they're both international, but most of the positions are based in the U.S. for these job boards. And I'm seeing about 30 to 40 uh, new posts each week for companies that are looking for people with accessibility um, background and web accessibility technical skills. So, uh, and they're coming from organizations that aren't part of our organizational membership. They are industry at large. So um, the, the desire and the need is recognized or beginning to be recognized by industry partners and uh, these are definitely skills in knowledge, not just hard skills, but also contextual knowledge and concepts and legal background that are not the most common in the world. But we're, we're pleased to be able to offer that as in an organized fashion that we hope to become a standard and a benchmark 
under our Accessibility Core Competencies Program. Uh, and what we hear from a lot of the people as they prepare for that, even if they've worked in accessibility and disability services for a number of years, is that they find that they discover new aspects of disability accessibility and assistive technologies that they weren't aware of before. And that helps them grow and expand their knowledge and then expand their opportunities to help and do better work in their professional lives as well. Well, um, if people contact you then interested in this profession, you can get information to them? Of course. We, we follow and are engaged with the accessibility community around the world beyond our own organization and the efforts and hopes to connect people locally and online so that they're not uh, limited by travel or, or finances to resources around the world to, to grow their knowledge and, and hope that people will participate with us and, and see the value in becoming part of the support of this profession um, around the world and advancing accessibility and uniting together in the professional world. You know, this show is so important. I just want to tell you, if you know of anyone that you think should have heard this show, Spotify, Apple, go to the podcast, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender, and you can grab this show because you may be listening and think, oh, I want to share this with someone else. Make sure you do that. Now, I'm going to tell you something that really bothers me, Chris. This really, really bothers me. And that is many companies, I don't know what it is. They don't seem to understand that that it's a requirement or they need to have accessibility, you know, across the board, web page, uh, pages behind the web page, internal applications. Why is that? And what do you think needs to happen for this to become yeah. something everyone has to do? It, it's a, another great question, um, and it's a broad question. And, you know, every time when I get a question like this, I, I think about, I start with, you know, the, the end user. You know, what can we do as individuals with disabilities? What can we do as a community? And I start there, and then I kind of walk out that way. And, you know, one of the things that I found so interesting throughout my uh, personal career and disabilities, I guess you can say, um, is that we, you know, especially learning disabilities, you know, it was such a, all the disability organization groups, there's a lot of segmented um, components of them. They, we don't come together as an organization as a whole or as a, a unified, with one unified voice. And we're all screaming for, to be heard. And we're, we're screaming loud, whether whatever community that, that, um, that you're focused in. And I think, you know, telling a story and telling a story succinctly is something that's so important. And I think, you know, we learn a lot from each other. We could learn a lot from each other with, with these, you know, as we learn about other organizations, disability organizations and advocacy groups. So I think that's number one. You know, I think we've got some work to do from all and as a disability group. But secondly, I think, you know, it goes back to a little bit of what I've talked about is that companies need to engage, engage, and engage. And they need to breathe in the, this, this new synergy around professional development on uh you know, accessibility professionals, we, they need to engage and ensure that, you know, the apologies and procedures obviously um, intertwine with not only architectural but the ICT digital side of accessibility. And it, is, it, and the, it needs to come from top down in some cases. It's nice when it goes bottom up, but that usually is not the case. 
So we need our chief accessibility officer, our CIOs, our CEOs, to 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 be a part of this this, this discussions. And um, there's you know obviously a lot of advocacy in this area being done. Francis West, who used to be at IBM, has done some some writing in this area. And um, we've got some work, great work being done at Barclays and a few other country, companies. But um, that's another area. And then the certification that Sam just went through. We now can layer, you know, certification um, onto the, the employees within these companies. So I think there's some we, – we now have kind of – I guess what I'm trying to say is we now have a little bit of a uh, – uh, you know, a path. <laughs> it may be covered a little bit, maybe overgrown a little bit, but we're starting to be able to go down this path, and the the the, the, the tools are starting to be there. I think to to help these companies, and I think that's what they were screaming for back in two thousand, you know, five years ago, I guess, when they were trying to create IWP, where all these individuals to be hired. Um, so it's it's starting to like um, to come together. I think slowly and surely, but like you said, a lot more work needs to be done. You know, um, what do you think this will n- call for enforcement? What do you think? You know, like Section 503 you know, of the Rehab that's, Act? That's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I've been in state and federal government, specifically state government, too long. And, and sometimes it just takes that. You know, it just takes that. And I don't know if I believe in that, but... Um, I do think it, it does, it, 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 it doesn't just need to be legislation or mandated. It's got to be tracked, you know. It's got to be, we've got to hold, be holding, hold these companies and these um, organizations accountable. And I think they want to do the right thing. I mean, I know, I, I really believe the ones that we are working with are, are impressive. They, they're really working hard, specifically segmented parts of the, the organizations. But I do think that, that, depending on the country you're in, I do think that that may have to happen, Um Yeah, here's why I don't think it's wrong. If you have a disability, if you're a person with a disability, and you cannot get into a building, it's against the law. You know, it has Mm -hmm. to be accessible. So why would it not be the same if you cannot apply for a job? Or if you have a job and you can't do the job? You know, I'm sorry to feel like that, but it has to be equal. I mean, it's just just different in that it's... uh, you know, using digital, digital doors. That's what I call it, digital doors. So, um, Sam, agencies and companies, how can they learn more about IAAP? Well, we would love to um, talk with them. Uh, I find that that we, we have most success when we um, are able to have conversations with people, so they're, they're welcome to call or email. But our website has a great page on, um, on our website, which is accessibilityassociation.org. And the main landing page offers an About IAAP tab that talks about focusing on accessibility for individuals and organizations. There's a Contact Us tab on our Level 1 navigation as well that offers both phone and email opportunities to talk to one of us about general information or about certification programs. And uh, we're happy to, uh, to engage, answer questions, and help advance our, our visibility and knowledge about accessibility with whomever has an interest. And the website is? 
accessibilityassociation.org. All right. Before we close the show, I want to ask you a question, Chris. You know, when we were talking about companies and they aren't doing this, do you think it's possible that companies do not understand that there are so many assistive technology products and devices? Yes. I don't think they, I don't think they know um, about the assistive technology um, products and devices at all. I think it's something that is starting to um, drizzle down a little bit because of operating systems and a lot of the mainstream technology that you can find in Microsoft, you can find in Apple products, and obviously the iPhone and so on. I do think, um, I do think it's starting to drizzle down, um, especially with the population, aging population, we're starting to see, you know, that it is growing. Um, but we've got a long way to go with that. And it goes back to my comment earlier about, you know, in the U.S. particular, that we've, we've done a pretty good job of putting some money out there regarding assistive technology, but we haven't linked it to these companies. Um, all these companies haven't linked to it. Um, and so there's so much work that needs to be done like that. Um, and there's so many resources out there. It's just a matter of pulling them all together. Uh, so, yes, um, to answer your question, we've got a long way to go in that, that area. So, go to IAAPIAAP.org and get as much information as you can. Contact Sam if you need more information about certification. You know, it's all about knowledge. It's all about learning. And Sam and Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Joyce, can I offer no, an update on our? Much. Joyce, can I offer our update? Our our website is accessibilityassociation.org. Okay, sorry about that. One more time. Our website is accessibilityassociation.org. All right, you got that, everyone. And you know what I can say? Thank God we have Sam with us today. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. thank you again. And before we close, you know. We are always looking at Bender Consulting, BenderConsult.com, for people with expertise, people with disabilities, with expertise in the STEM area. Uh, We have opportunities in New York for people with accounting skills, and that includes entry level. That's what I'm all about. And then we have experienced people. For example, we have an opportunity in Denver for a vice president of human resources. And you know why I'm telling you this? We got to change that 70% of people with disabilities not being counted in the workforce. And... We have to end our show with a quote, as we always do. And today, it has to be, I call her, the queen of accessibility, Jenny Lay Fleury from Microsoft, who says, if you have to wonder, are we accessible? You're not. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Talk to you next week with our guest, Derek Shields. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 